0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Everton versus Manchester City pre match episode. We're going to start off with some fun facts and some history between the two clubs. We're going to move on to giving our predicted lineups, how we think the team is going to play via tactics, both Everton and City. Move on to key matchups on the pitch, and then end it with our predicted scores. This is Alex, and this is James, and you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast.
1: Welcome to the show, everybody. We're going to jump right into things here. We want to start out by kind of debuting a new segment that we were talking about, which is to talk about some of the history behind some of the clubs that we're facing for some of the American fans and even maybe some of the fans all over the world who may not know some of the illustrious history of the Premier League. Um, So, of course, we're facing Manchester City reigning champions and have become a massive club over the last decade. But for a long time, that wasn't the case, and they kind of lingered, jumped around divisions, had some financial troubles before, of course, their Middle Eastern savior came in. With buckets and buckets of money. And so, you know, of course, they don't really have any history because all their fans are plastic and bandwagoners.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) No, that's certainly not the case. And actually, it is kind of interesting because if you are in England and you are a true Man City fan and probably grew up, you know, such as the culture, the last decade has probably been an absolute revelation and an unbelievable ride for you to go from Being in the second division, I believe, until 2002, and then moved up to the Premier League, and have remained there ever since. And of course, are now considered one of the best teams in the world under Pep Guardiola. But I was just going back through the history, and one of the one of the really interesting things that I saw was in 1933, uh, Manchester City actually lost to Everton in the FA Cup final, and then the next year they returned and you know avenged that loss and won against Bolton Wanderers. Um, So that was a cool little tidbit, little throwback.
0: Very cool. I hope that we can say Everton are back in the FA Cup finals, even if it's to face Manchester City this year.
1: I'd be okay with that. If, we were, if we're in the final, I'll be over the moon because that would be a massive, massive success. Um, and then, of course, we know last season they were an absolutely massive club and they, and they won and broke just about every record in the book. They broke most points, most goals scored. The biggest goal differential plus 79, which is over the course of 38 games, is absolutely staggering.
0: That's a ridiculous amount. That's essentially
1: plus two goals a match. And so we know that they're a juggernaut at this point. They've got unbelievable squad depth. They've got talent all over the pitch, probably two players for every position, and they can sub out and switch up their squad. And they have done that this season, and they've had really good squad rotation. We saw they played today, um, and they won with... Basically, you know, their backup squad, a 2-1 victory and expecting, you know, they do have some key injuries though, Alex. Right. So this
0: week, Manchester City only had 15 first team players available for selection due to a bunch of different injuries. And so their Champions League squad or starting 11 today against Hoffenheim was pretty depleted. We're talking about injuries, David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, Danilo, Fernandinho are all out, Aguero maybe has a chance. So we're looking at a pretty depleted squad to face. Keep in mind, we're at the Etihad, they're going to have only two days rest compared to our five. Our last three meetings at the Etihad were all draws. And so in terms of Everton versus Manchester City, we know that this is historically a team that we can take points from, which some of you might find laughable, but this is the reality of it. Everton are usually a team, unfortunately, that play down to their opponents. I like to think that they've put in good performances against the quote-unquote big clubs, or let me say other big clubs, James. And so I'm feeling pretty good about it, especially with all of those injuries.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a weird one because... You would think on paper, City are the best team in the league with the most settled squad. Of course, Liverpool currently sit top, as much as it pains me to say it, after City had their first loss of the season against Chelsea last week. But we've had the most success against them of all the big clubs over recent years, including that amazing 4-0 victory at home, Tom Davies. That was the game he had that unbelievable run and finish. It was. But yeah, our last five meetings, we've drawn three. Won one and lost one. So history points to us having a decent chance at getting something from this game. The evidence we've seen this season may indicate something a little different.
0: Okay, James. So City brings a depleted squad. Some of the players are going to be pretty exhausted no matter what. We have five days rest, as mentioned previously. How do you think we are going to line up for this
1: match? Silva has shown intent in keeping the same team and keeping a consistent team. And even though it hasn't really paid off in our last few games because we've struggled to get points against weaker sides. But what we've seen is that when Silva tries to make any minor changes to the squad, even the three we made against Newcastle, things kind of fall apart for whatever reason. And so I'm not sure he'll have the confidence to get too crazy with the lineup. So I would expect to see the same lineup that we've seen previously with Richarlison up top, you know, the same lineups, Andre Gomez bossing the midfield. I think Ghana has a real important role to play in this game, considering that we probably won't have very much possession. I don't know, Alex, what do you think?
0: I think it'll be unchanged as well, just because of the fact that we have five days rest. My only thought logistically, Theo came off and it seemed like he took somewhat of a knock. And so I'm not sure how that's going to look. And actually, now that I think about it, Ghana was icing his leg also. So, I think it's going to be unchanged, assuming those two are okay, but my opinion, I'd love to see Calvert-Lewin start up top. With the amount of crosses that come into the box, he gives us a real aerial presence that we don't have otherwise, and that's point blank. Furthermore, he's got pretty good pace. I think he did a great job last season stepping in as a starting striker until Jank Tosin arrived in January, but... I'm not sure how the wings would look if that happened, because I'd prefer to start Bernard and Richarlison, but I'm not sure if either one of them would be very strong on the
1: right. It's a tough question. I think the Calvert-Lewin thing is actually a really good point, because if you remember that 1-1 draw that we had with them last season, it was, you know, they commanded the game and they played really well, but Calvert-Lewin played tremendously well in holding the ball up and allowing us to, you know, kind of break some of their pressure that that was almost relentless. And, and after that game, I think that was a real statement game from him. Where, at least I thought, like, wow, this kid really can give us something, and has a lot of, still has so much room for growth. And of course, we've seen that play out. And I still have very high hopes for Calvert Lewin. So it it wouldn't be a bad shout to have him play. I'm worried about the way that our front line matches up with their defense, because of course they have John Stones and Emmer- Emmerich Laporte uh, as their two center backs. Who Emmerich Laporte has. I believe, like, the highest average match rating for a center back in the Premier League. He's been a a wonderful signing for them. And John Stones, of course, came from us and a player who it was sad to see him go, but he wanted out. It was clear that we were always going to be a stepping stone and he was, he's, he's just class. He's a very, very, very good center back. And I'm worried that whoever we put up there, and I think we will really struggle. So I do think the Calvert Lewin thing is Calvert Lewin starting would be an actually a very, Astute decision by Marco Silva.
0: Right. So let's move on to tactics. I personally think Everton are going to play as they normally do. We're going to play with a high defensive line, which is going to be very risky against Manchester City. They have ridiculous pace. And we're going to look to shift the ball out wide to our fullbacks and we're going to swing the ball in. I'm not sure how I feel about it because, again, without the aerial presence, Richarlison's no stranger to heading a ball in to the back of the net. But at the same time, He's not going to be out jumping Laporte and Stones. City, however, will dominate possession. They'll definitely look to find space out wide and break down the defense with the pace. And they're really, really good at taking advantage of mistakes.
1: That really worries me because under pressure at the Etihad, I'm concerned for a player like Ghana. His passing last game was very, very poor. And I think that that gives... That's something that City are probably going to try to exploit. They'll try to, you know, cut off the lanes to Andre Gomez because any team, any manager in their right mind will have scouted us by now and seen that he's the one that makes everything tick for us as we try to transition from defense to attack. So I think that they're going to try to get let Ghana have the ball, and and one thing that City do really well is control the ball in their opposition half. So. Whereas when we when we have control of the ball, we tend to cycle it around the back, our fullbacks, switch fields, go back and forth, and then choose one lane, to one wing to attack down. And I think the city are going to look to – they're going to hold a high line. They're going to bring their defenders up, and they're going to try to play tiki-taka, pass it around. And I'm concerned with the with, our, with us being able to keep our shape given their pace. Particularly, I'm concerned about if Lior Asane plays or even whoever plays on the left wing, that matchup with Seamus Coleman. I think that is a huge red flag.
0: Yeah, I'm going to agree that our key matchup this week is going to be fullbacks, Coleman and Dean versus some trio of Sané, Sterling, Mares. As you said, right, our structure sees us shift our fullbacks pretty high up the pitch. We're talking the halfway line. And so City are going to sit high up on our defensive line. And I'm afraid that they're going to be able to play plenty of through balls or balls over the top, and the fullbacks are not going to have a chance regardless. But Coleman's been getting burned a little more often than not. And so the question is going to be, can they properly balance getting forward and staying back? And how are City going to position themselves to exploit that?
1: Right. Because if if our fullbacks aren't able to get up the pitch, then our offense... Completely stalls because we don't we rely on them so much for crosses, especially coming down the left. So if it's just either whoever plays on the wing, whether it be Bernard, Richarlison, if they're playing kind of isolated on the wing, that doesn't bode very well for us. You know, City's front line has so much pace, and I'm worried about how I, I'd imagine it'd be Gabriel Jesus who starts at striker for them, and him up amongst Michael Keane and Yerry Mina. Even if it's Zuma, I think he'll keep one of them occupied. And his pace is a real worry considering our high line. And then, you know, Raheem Sterling is playing out of his mind, and as is Leroy Sane. So they're in very, very good form despite having taken their first loss of the season. I mean, it's a very good Chelsea side. It's going to be a big problem for us. I don't see any way that we keep a clean sheet playing the way that we need to play in order to win and the way that I expect us to play. Does that make sense?
0: It makes perfect sense. And here's the thing, though. Manchester City's shape looks a lot like ours in possession. They're going to push their fullbacks high up the pitch. When talking about City and how they can position themselves and exploit the space between our fullbacks and centerbacks, you can say the exact same for City's defense. Can we finish our chances? We'll create chances. We have been. That's never been an issue. The issue has been the finishing and the confidence to take a shot as opposed to lay it off the decision making. Specifically, I'm talking to you, Theo Walcott. It's a question for both sides, and we're really gonna need them, them being the team to step
1: up. You mentioned Theo Walcott, and I actually read an article from I think it was Royal Blue Mersey, and it was highlighting some of the stats from the Watford game. And Theo Walcott was the only outfield player for Everton not to register a tackle in the game. And he was also the outfield player with the fewest touches. And that continues a trend that we've seen so far this season where he hasn't been involved nearly enough in games. A lot of that is because our left side has clicked so well and has much more talent in that it's two new signings Luca Dean, Ben Bernard, and Richarlison, whoever's out there, seem to have developed a better understanding. And even though Coleman and, and Walcott have been playing together for half a season longer, the, the discrepancy in quality is, is very apparent. So if Walcott starts, I Do think that he will start, and I think he has something important to offer because we're if we're going to score, I think we're going to have to hit them fast. We're not going to—they're going to control possession, and so when we get the ball, we have to go with intent and attack quickly. And I think that we've seen that we've created some of our best chances when doing that in transition, when we can get Andre Gomez linking up with Sigurdsson, moving the ball forward, and then spraying it out wide, getting Richarlison running at defenders, even Walcott making those runs, keeping the back line of Manchester City honest because. He's no Leo Sané or Gabriel Jesus, but he's got the pace. The end product we haven't seen and remains completely up in the air, but I think the pace, the threat of the pace, is is important to keep them honest. And, and Adam Lookman, with his dribbling tricks and stuff, he doesn't offer the same directness that Walcott does, and I think that that is an important area that, that we need that directness this game.
0: I agree with you. I thought Theo Walcott looked pretty good for his limited involvement at Watford, and I'm wondering whether his least amount of touches is that due to the team consciously deciding to go to the left-hand side, which we've seen heavily throughout the season or is that, well, let me rewind. Is that the team consciously deciding to go to the left-hand side just because they feel that Dean and Bernard can do better or are they choosing to go to the left-hand side because they don't feel that he's making himself available? I don't know. I personally think that they're choosing the left-hand side because they feel more confident. Maybe not his attempt to get himself into the match and his interplay with Coleman. But Walcott has been one of the best players in terms of getting himself in the right positions. He's a smart player. He gets in behind defenses constantly. It just ends up being about the end product. At the end of the day, if we're being completely honest, none of our wingers have any end product so far. Bernard is creating a ridiculous amount of chances. I think about a week ago, he was top three in the league for chances per match created. When you look at a stat like that, then you can't really drop him, but you can't necessarily play Charleston on the right. Lookman hasn't really shown anything, if we're going to be completely honest. And as you said, he doesn't offer the same type of runs that that Walcott does. So it's kind of a question mark. I think that Walcott would be really strong in this match. And you would think that someone with a lot of experience and a cool head could be a good thing.
1: Your point on Walcott is interesting, trying to decipher, determine what causes lack of touches. My my thought is that because he's a player that's so direct, he's not the type like Richarlison who will come and receive the ball and look to turn and go at players. He's more the type of player who wants to get it mid run and continue his run and use his pace to get by players because we know he doesn't have the technical ability I will disagree with you on Lookman. He didn't show anything in his opportunity against Newcastle. You know, that came after a series of very good substitute appearances when we were crying out and I had been crying out for weeks to see him get a start and and I agree he didn't seize his chance. He hasn't taken the opportunity as a starter, but as a substitute he looks really good and he looks like, you know, coming on on the 60-minute mark against tired legs is the type of the time that he can really make an impact when players might not be 100% focused. They're starting to to lag a little and he can use his acceleration and tricks to get by people. So yeah, that, that's my only point is that I do expect Walcott to start because he knows how to get in the positions and it's just the lack of finishing and, and it speaks to a larger concern where we don't have players scoring goals. We've got Sigurdsson who had been on a really good run of form, but has kind of stalled over the last couple of games. And then Richarlison is, are the only two players who've done significant amounts of scoring. And you look at it. And it's just, I don't know where the goals are going to start magically coming from. I think Andre Gomez probably has a couple goals in him, but Ganesher sure doesn't. And Bernard hasn't really looked like the type of player who wants to, to take on shots or look to score. He looks like the kind of player who wants to create for others. It'll
0: be interesting to see who plays on the wing, who starts up front in general. With all this talk about tactics, kind of what we're expecting, before we go into what our score predictions are going to be, James, what do you think this match means to Everton, the club knowing that we just drew both of our quote-unquote must-win matches at home, and we've then got Tottenham right after this match.
1: What it means, I almost think you have to look at it like the Derby match, in that we're playing a team that is excellent all over the field, reigning champions. On paper, it's not a game you would expect us to win, but we've shown up against every single side higher than us in the table and gave them a real good game, and we deserved a result against Liverpool, we deserved a result against Manchester United, we deserved a result against Arsenal, and we got a result against Chelsea. I really just don't think there's pressure. The pressure from the fans, because we've been frustrated with the last few matches, is understandable, but I don't think any fan realistically is expecting us to win. I think everyone would be very happy with a draw, and even if we show up and stand up and are counted, and we lose, there's still positives to take from that. I think the most important thing is that we leave that game with positives to take from it.
0: Eloquently said, James. So I'm going to ask you our favorite question of the episode, which seems to always leave us dumbfounded. What is going to be your score prediction? And don't be a negative Nancy, James.
1: <laughs> is that my reputation now as as a podcaster? From I'm me- the negative one. For me, (laughs) No, I don't want to be negative because we spoke about it. City are the team that just historically we've had the best chance against. They're a very good team. And I don't want to predict a win and jinx us because I I don't realistically think that this is a game we're going to win. I'm going to go ahead and and say it's going to be a 1-1 draw. I think if we can score the first goal, that will be massive because City will have to come at us. And then that's going to leave more openings for us to be able to hit them on the counter. I'm going to say a 1 1 draw. Final answer.
0: I think that's a pretty good decision. Although I might have pressured you into it. Pure pressure. I somewhat feel in my aura that you were thinking a 2 1 defeat, but I'll let you have your 1 1 draw. And I'm going to agree with you. Although I typed it in my notes. I'll have you know, James. I had it in my notes also. I know it's not as fun when we agree. No matter the result, as. Corny as it sounds. We just need to make sure that we play our way, we create chances, and just build some more confidence. We need to leave the match unscathed in terms of injuries, major knocks, and then keep looking forward because the season's not even halfway over. We knew that going into the season, it was just kind of a rebuilding period. Try to figure out what our best lineup is while taking into account different players' form, and then regroup next year. We were just teased with that 6th place spot so quickly. It got everyone's hopes up. So either way, I'm really looking forward to the match on Saturday.
1: As am I. If we do our thing and we can regain some of the confidence we showed against the top size we played so far this season, there's no reason why we can't get a point. City, again, suffered their first loss. They're going to be hungry. But I think that our players will be hungry to prove something after the the string of results that we've gone through the last couple of weeks. Thanks for tuning into the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases in Everton News. And we'll see you guys next time.